Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we continue our focus on Chile, the second episode, focusing on this long, narrow country with a great winemaking history, which has only really come to the international fore in the last 25 to 30 years or so. In the previous episode, we looked at the history and the geography and the culture of Chilean wine. In this this episode, we're going to look at the different regions in Chile. And we'll start with Central Valley, which is the historic epicentre of Chilean winemaking and remains so today. And Central Valley is uh, centred around the capital city of Santiago, and it has a warm Mediterranean climate. It gets pretty hot during the summer and very dry. It's protected from the um, Pacific Ocean influence, so it doesn't have those cool breezes coming in, which um, influence the the vines which are grown by the Pacific Ocean coast. And so it's very uh, protected. And it lies between the coastal mountain range and the Andes to the east, which rise up to 7,000 metres. And the Central Valley accounts for 83% of the production of wine in the country, so extremely dominant. And there are four sub-valleys within Central Valley. There's Maipo, which accounts for 11% of Chile's wine, Rapel, which is 33%, Curico, which is 15%, and Mauli, which is 24%. And it's a large region. It's 400 kilometres from north to south. It's covering a lot of terrain. We'll look at those uh, four sub-valleys, and we'll start with Maipo which is the most famous wine region. This is where Chilean wine began. And it's just south of Santiago and actually uh, covers some of the city limits. And it covers uh, over 12,000 hectares of land. And there's more red than white produced here, which is kind of typical of Chile, 60% red. And the two major grape varieties are Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay, but Merlot, Carmenere, and also Sauvignon Blanc are also important. There's only 300 millimetres of rainfall, and this is mostly in the winter, so a dry climate and irrigation is common, coming from the Maipo River. There are official sub-regions to Maipo Valley. Uh, These, it's unlikely you're going to see them on a label, but they include Santiago itself, the capital city. And then the three most important are in Alto Maipo, which is going up into the Andes, the foothills of the Andes. And this is these are the areas for Chile's best reds, especially from Cabernet Sauvignon. And these are called Pirque, Puente Alto and Buin. And the best of these, the star, if you like, is the high-altitude Puente Alto. So altitude in these valleys is extremely important because um, you get a cooler influence. Also, the soils are more difficult, they're rockier, and um, this produces more concentrated red wines. There's also Isla de Maipo, Talagante, Melipilla, Alue, and Maria Pinto. And a lot of the major companies, and Chile is very brand-dominated, and these are housed in Maipo, often in Santiago itself. And then there's Rapel, which is much bigger, 31,000 hectares of land. And again, the majority are black grapes. And the dry, warm climate here favours Cabernet Sauvignon and Carmenere. And you won't often see Rapel on the label. You'll actually see the two subregions into which it is divided. Cachapual, which is the southern part of Rapel, and Colchagua, which is to the north. Colchagua is the largest of these, 28,400 hectares, so the majority are Rapel. With its Mediterranean climate, it has clay and loam at lower elevations and more granite higher up. And 50% of the plantings are Carmenere. So this is the, the grape that Chilean, the Chilean wine industry would like to be the signature of Chile, and most of it's going to be fine, found in Rapel, with blackberry, blueberry, spice and ripe tannin aromas and structure. It's also good Syrah made here. Within Colchagua, there's a, a sub-region of the sub-region, if you like, called Apalta, 
which has a good reputation for Merlot, Carmenere and Syrah. And this is where you'll find two big producers which are distributed internationally, Casa La Pastole and Vigna Montes. And Montes is a large producer, about 200,000 cases, and they make everything from $10 wines to $700 wines. All pretty consistent quality, obviously getting better as the wines get more expensive. Also increasing plantings of Malbec, which can work in Chile just as it does in Argentina, even though it's much more associated with that country. There's also um, a joint venture here. There's been a lot of investment in Chile over the last 25 years, and Los Vascos is owned by Lafitte Rothschild, the famous Bordeaux producer. Other wineries who have invested in Chile include um, Miguel Torres and uh, Robert Mondavi and others as well. And a couple of other producers that you might recognise from Colchagua include Santa Rita and Undoraga. And then there's Curico, and this is where Miguel Torres invested. He arrived here in 1979, so he's the first uh, foreigner to invest in Chile before the fall of Pinochet and the opening up of the Chilean wine industry. So quite um, forward of him. 17,000 hectares of plantings here. Cabernet Sauvignon, which includes some old vines, has 6,000 hectares, while Sauvignon Blanc has just over 3,000. And there are two mesoclimates within Curico. So the east is cooler for, because of the Andes, and so the... Uh, the warm air rises up the Andes and then mixes with the cool air, which is coming down from the Andes, and then that falls down back into the, the valley. So Curico gets some cooling influence from the Andes to the east. But to the west, it's hot and dry, and that's because the coastal range protects the region from the coastal influence, and so they're not getting the breezes from the Pacific, which will hit the mountains. And there's a wide range of varieties planted here to a good standard, and there's actually a couple of subregions, along Tue and Tenno, but Curico is not a region talked about too much these days. And then the other sub-valley of Central Valley is Maule, and this is very important. There are sub-regions here called Talca, San Clemente, San Javier, Paral, Linares, and Cauquenes. And there's over 30,000 hectares of plantings here. And here it's cooler and cloudier, there's more of a Pacific influence. And this is where Pais used to be the major grape variety. So Pais being the same grape as Mission in um, the US, and this is the grape that was planted by the Jesuit missionaries who came with uh, Spanish, and it was used for church. And um, this is obviously not used very much anymore because it's not that high quality. However, there are old vine pais planted here, which can be up to 200 years old. And producers are experimenting with these old vines to see if they can make more concentrated, higher quality wine from the grape variety. And there are certainly some interesting old vine pais being produced at a decent price. But Cabernet Sauvignon here is by far the most important grape variety. And also the emphasis has changed from volume to quality, and that's kind of that mirrors the change from Pais to Cabernet Sauvignon. The western areas have more rain because of that Pacific influence, but those vines do actually suffer from nutrient deficiencies. And so um, new investment has improved the reputation with that increasing quality in Maule. So that's Central Valley, 83% of production right in the middle of the country, um, around Santiago and to the south of the city, but very large. So if we look at the regions which are actually quite far away from Santiago, these are newer. So the wine industry has always been centred around the capital city for obvious reasons, but now it's expanded, in part because Chile is all about exports. So to the north of Santiago, 600 kilometres in fact, is the newest wine region of Chile, which is called Coquimbo. And Although we say this is the newest wine region, it's the newest region for the production of quality wine because table grapes have been planted here for a long time and also grapes used for pisco, 
So Pisco being the Chilean brandy made from grapes. So grapes have been planted here for a long time, but less so for the um, quality drinking wines. And this dates back to the 1990s, focusing on the Limari Valley, which is 20 kilometres from the Pacific coast. So although it's uh, very near the coast, it's hot and dry, and this is because it's so far north. Obviously, the country gets hotter as it goes further north. And a river runs through the heart of the region, which brings snowmelts. That's where the irrigation comes from. However, because it's so hot and dry, the, the region is running out of water, which has um, stopped the expansion of the region, despite the quality of the wines. It's difficult if you don't have enough water. And so um, there are clay and limestone soils here, which is unusual for Chile. And about 20% of the grapes uh, planted in Lamari go towards quality wines. Here we have Chardonnay, which has a chalky or saline mineral texture to it and can be quite age-worthy. So there's also Syrah, especially from the cooler coastal vineyards. And then going towards the east, they become fuller and more fruit-driven, so different styles within the valley according to the coastal influence. Uh, one producer to look out for in Lamari is Tabuli. And then there's another valley called Elki Valley, and this um, is also arid, and it doesn't get much shelter from the coastal mountains. The coastal mountains stop. And here the irrigation again comes from the snowbells, and it's also a nearby lake. Uh, but irrigation is an issue here, also getting enough water because it's so dry and hot. And the air here is thin and dry and clean. Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah are the most planted varieties, and Syrah is the, this is the star of Elki Valley, very peppery. But it's also restrained and elegant Sauvignon Blanc, and vineyards here can be as high as 2,000 metres, getting the cooler influence. Further south, within Coquimbo, is Chuapa Valley, which has the potential for the future, but um, that's still very new. And just to emphasise how dry it is, 100 millimetres of rainfall a year, so very, very little. The sky is going to be very clear, so very um, healthy conditions for growing fruit, apart from the lack of water. Going south, more, uh, going south nearer to Santiago, is Aconagua. And this is uh, dissected by the river, so there's two distinct zones here. The interior is one of Chile's hottest and driest regions. No clouds in the summer, 30 degrees Celsius and more, alluvial soils, and the good red wines are made here. And a producer here to look out for is Erla Zaris. And then nearer the coast is San Antonio, which has cool morning frog fog from the Humboldt Current. So that's a current that blows up the, the uh, coast of Chile, and that cools the uh, coast down and brings fog in. And San Antonio has about 2,000 hectares just over. And this is a glamorous new sub-region. So this is very different from um, the interior of Aconagua because it's much cooler. And within San Antonio, there's a zone Lida, which actually has a producer called Lida. And this was the first trial area back in 1988 with a cool climate, now its own independent appellation, has rolling hills 200 meters high with clay loam soils over some granite. And here Sauvignon Blanc is the great variety, with the fleshy and fresh, with a pronounced specific influence. And also some good Pinot Noir is produced here as well. So Aconagua is um, just to the north of Santiago. To the west is Casablanca. And this is another new region which was established in the 1980s. And this was the first region in Chile to focus on a cooler climate, which comes from the influence of the Pacific Ocean, very close to the city of Valparaiso, which is a wonderful city to visit. And these uh, vineyards can be extremely close to the coast. And it is officially a part of Aconagua, but it's very different. Again, like San Antonio, it gets the cool morning fogs from the Humboldt Current. It's a long ripening season. It's dry. There's no river. And so water is pumped from, from wells, which does limit expansion. And about 25% of the area is suitable for vines. 
There are frequent clouds coming in from the coast, so that slows down ripening for that long ripening season. And there's over 5,000 hectares planted here. Extensive new plantings of Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay, which account for 65% of the plantings here. And within Casablanca, there is uh, variation. And Sauvignon Blanc is a good example, I mentioned this in the previous episode, of how it reflects the different growing conditions. Bajo Casablanca, near the coast and lower down, is more like a New Zealand uh, Sauvignon Blanc, quite citrus and herbaceous. Whereas Alto Casablanca, higher up and further away from the coast, is warmer and gets more tropical fruits. And so the Sauvignon Blanc does change according to the location, and it doesn't, it's not that much great in distance, it's more about altitude. And then also Syrah is produced here, which is quite spicy, and Pinot Noir, which can have cherry and raspberry aromas. And then going much further south, there are some new regions which are really interesting because they're very different from the rest of the country. And in the south, there's nearly 14,000 hectares planted, and the red and white grapes are evenly planted. And the, and the regions here are Itata, Biobio, and Mejeco. And that's the particularly new one, which has um, excellent Chardonnay. Um, Itata originally came under Biobio, but it's now its own region. That's more moving towards Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay. So Biobio, 1,500 hectares and a little, little bit more. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are planted here. Uh, it's quite wet here because we're much further south, coastal influence, and um, the coastal mountain range actually stops by this point, so it doesn't protect the regions from the coast. And that rain actually scared producers away, but more uh, producers are getting interested in Bio Bio. Aromatic white grapes, especially Riesling, so something quite different from the rest of Chile. And this has a cool climate with an extended growing season, hence Riesling. Mejeco is young and exciting, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Winds and the rain make sure that the yields are low, despite the rich soils, but it also does mean that there are fungal diseases and rot from the rain, but the wind keeps them in check, so there's a nice balance in the climates here. Um, here there's a lot of Pais, that's still the most planted grape variety, and again you might have some old vine Pais in these southern regions. Muscatel Alejandria, or Mus Muscat de Alexandria, is also widely grown just for domestic wine production. And then within Itata, there's a Chiyan area, which has the potential to produce good wine if you have drip irrigation and layer training to uh, avoid rot and fungal diseases. Uh, Riesling and Pinot Noir could well work here, but this is, these are areas with lots of potential that's yet to be fulfilled. So those are the regions of Chile, covering a broad, um, expansive area from north to south, centred in Central Valley with 83% of production, but spreading out away from the centre to explore different climates and see how Chile can diversify its production. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. <laughs>